smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hi welcome to why not mint money i'm satya sonjanam from mint's personal finance team in this episode let's try to understand how income from reits and invests are taxed real estate investment trust and infrastructure investment trust invest in commercial real estate properties and distribute 90% of its cash flows to the unit holders on a periodic basis as there's never going to be a free lunch you got to pay taxes on any income received from reits and invests to explain the tax rules we invited vishal chandramani managing partner products at trust plutus well because the tax rules of reits and invests are so complicated i suggest you grab a pen and a paper to make note of the provisions meanwhile let's start the episode Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Vishal, welcome back to Why Not Mint Money. Always a pleasure to have you here. Hi Satya, thank you. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh Vishal, uh you know when the budget happened, uh there was a change in the tax rule for Uh, REITs and invests loan repayment component. Um, at that time, uh, I invited and you also explained us how that will be treated, how it will be taxed. Now, um, with Finance Act twenty twenty three passed, there was a there was another change uh, in the same loan repayment component. So, uh, would like to understand that from you. But before going that, um, could you again refresh on what are the components, income components from REITs and invests? so like we had discussed um, you know in the case of reits and invests there are three primary components of the distribution that a reit or invest uh, you know makes um the first one is the interest component um which is the simplest to understand and in the case of the interest component um you know whatever part of the distribution is paid out as interest is taxed as per the marginal rate of taxation of the respective investor so that's the simplest portion to understand the second portion of the distribution could be in the form of dividend um in the case of dividends the income tax provisions mention that if the reit or invest um has not opted for the new tax regime then the dividends will be tax free in the hands of the investors and if the reits or invests have uh, opted for the new tax regime then the dividends will also be taxable at the marginal tax rate in the hands of the investors so you have different reits and invests um you know opting either for the new or the old tax regime what we generally seen is um the invests tend to opt for the new tax regime uh since anyways the dividend is a smaller component of the overall distribution that they do um many reits tend not to opt for the new tax regime and as a result dividend a uh, portion of distribution is tax free for the investors so that's with regard to dividends now the third component but, of distribution uh, sorry vishal uh, sorry to interrupt you but uh, will i as an investor know what component uh, is taxable and what component is not taxable will will it be made clear in the disclosures made by a particular reit or invest yes it is so whenever the reits and invests make a quarterly distribution they also send across 
a statement you know of the breakup of the distribution where they clearly classify what portion of the distribution is in the form of interest income what portion is in the form of uh, tax free dividend what portion is in the form of taxable dividend and what part of the distribution is in the form of um, amortization of spv level debt or return of capital so those bifurcations are clearly given the other way in which you can make out whether the dividend is taxable or not is by looking at whether the uh, reit or invit has deducted a tds on that component of dividend at, in the statement so if they've deducted a component uh, if they've deducted tds uh, you know that that dividend is uh, you know liable to taxation taxation so that's another way in which you can make out yeah good point yeah um coming to the third part satya of the um, distribution is the amortization of spv level debt or the return of capital as it's called and this was basically the point of focus in uh, budget 23 where but what is it uh, uh, vishal could you could you repeat that what exactly is loan repayment or what exactly is amortization of debt sure so what happens is uh, a reit or an invit is basically a portfolio of real estate assets in the case of reits or a portfolio of infrastructure assets in the case of invits now each of these assets is held through an spv so when a reit or an invit acquires an spv which houses the asset right or holds the asset what happens is that that spv at the time of um, you know constructing the asset uh, the initial developer in case of a real estate project or in or the developer in case of infrastructure could have constructed the asset using a combination of equity and debt funding so when the reit or invit acquires you know a particular asset they take over the existing debt of the asset as well and obviously they are the uh, equity owners of that particular asset um since the reit or the invit takes over the uh, you know the debt of the asset they in turn become the new lenders to the particular project and just like it happens in any loan the borrower needs to repay the um, you know principal as well as pay interest on the debt uh, that they've taken so in this case the respective project from the cash flows that are generated in the form of you know rental income or in the form of um, you know any a uh, contractual income that could be there in the case of invits or you know road tolls in the case of um, highway invits um you know from those cash flows they will need to service their debt uh, which would include paying interest and that is exactly the portion of distribution which will come as interest income and uh, they will also need to obviously repay the principal amount of the loan now when the spv level project repays uh, you know a portion of this principal of the debt then that portion is in turn paid out by the reit or invit to the unit holders uh, under the head of uh, amortization of spv level debt or return of capital like we need to keep in mind that the reit or the invit per se is a pass through vehicle right so after whatever uh, money that they collect from the underlying projects is something which they will pass on to the respective unit holders obviously after deducting the relevant uh, investment management fee and certain other charges but they are essentially pass through entities so um what happens in the case of this amortization of spv level debt or return of capital is that until now what was happening is when the respective spvs were repaying uh, this amount to the reit or invit 
the rate of emit was passing on this you know distribution to the unit holders um there were different ways in which unit holders were treating this component of the distribution there was an ambiguity um people were treating it in different ways depending on the advice they were getting from their chartered accountants or basis their own understanding um and there was also not uh, complete clarity from the issuers in terms of how to treat this component so what was happening is given that it is a return of capital um the rate or invit was not deducting any tds on this component and they were passing it on as a tax free distribution to the unit holders um at the unit holders end there were some unit holders who were saying that okay this is a return of capital so i should reduce this amount from my cost of acquisition of the unit of a rate or invit and subsequently my cost of acquisition goes down because i have got a certain component of my capital back so they were adjusting it in the cost of acquisition there were certain others uh unit holders who were treating this amount as exempt income and not even adjusting it in the cost of acquisition of the unit so as a result it was just being uh showed as a tax free component of distribution without even adjusting it in the cost so there was an ambiguity in the budget which was announced on 1st of feb it was initially proposed that this component of um return of capital will be treated as income from other sources and will be taxed at the marginal rate of taxation in the investors hands um this was the initial proposal which we had discussed last time as well subsequent to that there were representations made by the industry to the finance ministry and when the amendments to the budget were passed the the ministry has made certain changes in this proposal um you know before uh, passing the finance bill and what they have said now is that the amount of principal that is repaid needs to be reduced from the cost of acquisition of a particular unit that a unit holder is holding but they have also put a cap on that and the cap basically as per our understanding is that the amount that can be repaid as return of capital and which can be adjusted against your cost of acquisition um can not exceed the issue price of the unit of the rate or invit so whatever was the issue price at the time of the ipo up to that amount cumulatively from the time of listing of the rate or invit um you know whatever is uh, whatever that amount is can be adjusted as return of capital from your cost of acquisition of the unit Uh, Vishal, I think uh, this needs uh, elaborate, uh, you know, explanation with an example. Uh, you know, sure. we'll take that up later. But what is the difference between taxing it as income from other sources and taxing it at slab rate? And what is the difference? Uh, what is what is it to tax it at capital gains? So, what would be the rate differential? why is so everybody big... wanting it to be a capital gains taxation rather than income from other source taxation so there are two reasons satya i think one is primarily this uh, if you look at it from an investor who's in the highest tax bracket um you know if it is taxed at marginal rate then the rate of taxation would be 39% um you know at the highest tax lab which has come down from 42% now um and if it is taxed as capital gains then the rate of taxation after 3 years is 
which is long term capital gains after 3 years for a REIT or invit and if you sell it in less than 3 years it's 15% so even if i assume 15% i'm talking of a differential of 39 versus 15% which is a uh, 24% uh, reduction in taxation right so that's a big differential that is one part the okay, second okay. important the second important part is when i treat something as capital gains against a marginal rate of taxation i am in effect postponing the tax payment till the time i sell the unit i don't need to pay the tax immediately whereas if i treat it as income from other sources i would need to pay the tax on the distribution amount received in the current year itself so there is also a component of postpone postponement of tax payment which helps in you know uh, compounding the return at the investors end makes sense now uh, vishal yeah let's get back, let's get back to that loan repayment component um you meant you said that uh, it can be considered as uh, you know reduction from the cost of acquisition now let's right. take an example uh, say suppose i as an investor bought an invit in fi24 uh which is uh, say suppose i bought an invit on april 5th i bought it at 100 rupees uh which is the market price say suppose the issue price of that particular uh read or invit is 80 rupees and i bought it at 100 rupees now so far say suppose the read or invit has distributed uh 20 rupees as loan repayment if i sell this particular unit by end of uh, fi24 say suppose i am going to sell it in the month of march 2024 so how will my capital gains be taxed okay so what will happen is um like you said let's let's reiterate some of the facts uh, you've purchased a unit in the market at a price of 100 rupees um the issue price of the invit unit at the time of the ipo was 80 rupees and till date they have distributed 20 rupees as return of capital is that right yes vishal okay so when you sell this unit one year down the line the capital gains tax rate would be 15% okay um what will happen is assume in the next one year they distribute another 10 rupees hypothetically of return of capital amongst whatever distributions they make during the year assume 10 rupees is in the form of return of capital so what happens is your effective cost of acquisition will reduce from 100 to 90 rupees which is 100 minus the 10 rupees which has come as return of capital from the date you have acquired the unit okay yeah. also assume that one year later you sell the unit at say 150 rupees so what happens now is in a normal scenario you would have said that your cost of acquisition is 100 your selling price is 150 so you would pay a capital gains on 50 rupees in this case with the new provision in the budget since you've reduced your cost of acquisition by 10 rupees which has come in the form of a uh, return of principal during the year your cost of acquisition now is 90 rupees so when you're computing your capital gains you will your capital gains will be 150 minus 90 which is 60 rupees and not 150 minus 10 which is 50 rupees and you will end up paying a capital gain on 60 rupees and this is exactly what you know we were discussing earlier that firstly you have uh, pushed the payment of taxation to the time of the investor selling the unit and number 
even this 10 rupees which is you know reduced from your cost of acquisition so the additional 10 rupees on which you pay capital gains will be at the rate of 15% as opposed to a marginal rate of tax which would be 39% for a investor who's in the highest tax level understand got it so uh, every time i receive a loan repayment i have to adjust it to my cost of acquisition that is i have to reduce exactly. my reduce my cost of acquisition uh, by the loan repayment amount that i've been receiving from the reit or invit now in the That's same right. example uh, vishal say suppose i am holding it for about 8 to 10 years from now on and every year the uh, the reit or the invit is distributing rupees 10 as loan mm-hmm. repayment as you said maybe every year it right. is distributing sure. um so by the time i want to sell it the reit or invit would have already uh, given loan repayment uh, that exceeds its issue price in our case the issue price is 80 rupees so in that case how do i tax uh, my loan repayment amount right so what will happen in this case satya is um, you know by the time you had acquired the unit again just to reiterate the facts the 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 invit had already paid out 20 rupees as return of capital and they are reaping an additional 10 rupees every year as return of capital that's the example that we've taken and the issue price is 80 rupees your cost of acquisition is 100 rupees um so to an extent of 60 rupees more which is the issue price of 80 rupees minus the 20 rupees that they have already distributed up to 60 rupees you can keep reducing it from your cost of acquisition in effect what happens is your cost of acquisition over the years will come down like we explained from 100 to 90 in year 1 to 18 in year 2 to 17 in year 3 and so on and so forth um till the time you've adjusted for this balance 60 rupees okay so your cost of acquisition will eventually come down to 40 rupees now it cannot go below that the reason being that the budget provision clearly says that the return of capital can be adjusted from cost of acquisition up to the issue price the issue price here was 80 rupees at the time of the ipo 20 rupees was already distributed before you purchased the units so you have a gap of another 60 rupees 80 minus 20 60 that 60 can be reduced from your cost of acquisition and as a result your cost of acquisition will come down from 100 to 40 um any return of capital which comes beyond that will be treated as income from other sources and will be taxed at the marginal rate so what they have done is they've given you a benefit of you know reducing your cost of acquisition up to a certain level to that extent treating you know that income as capital gains and postponing the tax payout but beyond a certain level which is the issue price any return of capital which is paid out will be taxed at a uh, marginal rate and will be treated as income from other sources so in this case after year 6 and like we said you get 10 rupees every year after year 6 any return of capital which comes will be treated as income from other sources and taxed at marginal rate and assume you sell your units in year 8 again let's take the example of you sell it at 150 rupees in this case your capital gains will be computed on 150 minus 40 rupees which is your adjusted cost of acquisition and you will pay long term capital gains on 110 rupees right so that is how the working will happen yeah so whatever i uh, whatever the loan repayment amount i have received more than what i have adjusted to my cost of acquisition that should be treated as income from other sources exactly got it got it uh, vishal uh, i also spoke to uh, some of the reits and invests 
so what they are saying is because the loan repayment component is very very small in the total distribution made by these trusts by the time these trusts exceed loan repayment uh you know the total total loan repayment exceed the issue price it would take a, a, at least minimum of 15 to 20 years what do you say i would tend to agree with that um you know satya that it's going to you know uh, while on the face of it it looks a little complex but this provision effectively pushes out this uh, you know issue of income from other sources to at least a 10 15 year time horizon of course uh, depending on each individual case of a reit or invit and the amount that they are returning through uh, return of capital but let me give you an example okay let's take the case of embassy reit now embassy reit was issued if i recollect in 2017 uh if i'm not mistaken um uh, and they had issued it at a price of 300 rupees a unit um right. in the case of embassy reit till date um the amount that they have distributed from the ipo till now in the form of return of capital is close to about 40 rupees 39.89 rupees to be precise so you can see that you know in uh okay i made a mistake the date the the ipo of embassy reit had come in 2019 not 2017 sorry but from 2019 till date which is 4 years they have distributed only 40 rupees in the form of return of capital as against an issue price of uh 300 rupees so if you see the component of distribution which is in the form of return of capital is extremely low and if you use the same math it will take them probably another 15 odd years at least to you know reached a 300 rupees threshold which was the issue price similar right. is the case with most other reits and invits as well so it is a fairly long window that we are talking of till the time that this component can be adjusted in the cost of acquisition sure sure and who knows i mean tax rules might change drastically exactly. uh, after 10 to 15 years right true uh but till then we can safely say that there is a predictability of the taxability of uh, reits or invits see it's it's a slightly complex provision satya because um you know i think the first thing which is on the top of everyone's mind is that as an investor now if i'm investing in a reit or invit do i need to keep track of how much is the distribution in the form of return of capital right since the inception of the Absolutely. you know reit or invit rather than just from the date of my acquisition like we discussed you know once i'm a unit holder i receive the statement which explains the breakup of the distributions but you know it is not possible how do i keep a track of the distributions that have happened before you know um, i acquired the unit how much of that distribution was in the form of return of capital those are complex questions and i think the industry is also awaiting uh, certain clarifications from the ministry in terms of disclosures and how this information should be shared with all unit holders because different unit holders will obviously come in at different points of time so somewhere uh, you know clarity needs to emerge on these uh, disclosures and i think it's a matter of time that some clarification will come in this regard and you will see you know uh, uh, some sort of similarity in reporting by the various uh, issuers to take care of this issue um to my mind that is a lesser of the issue as compared to the fact that they have um revised this provision and have pushed the uh 
you know the occurrence of taxation from a, a marginal rate to a capital gains and also postpone this um, thing for effectively a long period given that the component of distribution in the form of return uh, return of capital for each and invest is pretty low so i think that is the biggest takeaway right now um clarifications will come and this thing will uh, you know um, get sorted so i i'm not so concerned about this part the bigger thing is it's uh, you know the, the ministry has accepted the representations made by the uh, issuers the industry and has revised the provision Sure, sure. Can't agree with you more, Vishal. Um, as I speak to uh, REITs and INVETS, because this is a very complicated provision. Um, I think there are different views emerging from reading this provision in different perspectives. So there could be difference in what can be considered as total repayment, whether it should be considered from inception or whether it should be considered from date of uh, acquisition by the buyer. so there are different uh uh perspectives at this point in time but whatever you explained to us and whatever uh, we discussed and whatever we read from the finance act also i think this is a very logical explanation of the provision but as you said whatever it is it is a long time ahead from now on to treat any income in the form of loan repayment from reit or invet as income from other sources i think for a long period of time it will be treated as reduction from the cost of acquisition only that's correct um you know like you rightly said satya there it, it is quite a complex provision how do you keep accounting for you know the the historical return of capital what is whether it's going to be the same for every unit holder or it's from the time of acquisition of your unit there are certain uh, points where clarifications are needed and you know um, different people have got different interpretations right now um i'm sure clarity will emerge in due course um you know so right now what we've discussed is basis our understanding of the finance bill and what we have spoken to certain other industry participants um you know and obviously the disclaimer is this is to the best of our uh, knowledge subject to receiving you know further clarifications from the uh, authorities in this regard um but like i said the 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 big thing whether it is you know uh the calculation is as per what we discussed or there is some minor tweak in that the the biggest takeaway is that uh what was proposed on 1st of feb and what has actually been passed are uh you know very different and it will lead to you know a, a lesser amount of taxation for the unit holders uh at least in the for the foreseeable future understand but how complicated uh, this taxation of reit and invet is no vishal because every component is taxed differently as you said interest is taxed at slab rate dividend again depends on whether uh, the spv has opted for new tax regime or old tax regime and uh, you know again loan repayment is taxed differently because it's reduction from cost of acquisition as you said the capital gains is again a different tax treatment uh but for a normal small retail investor this is so much to account for when they are buying the instrument right that is true it is it is quite complex um i think as uh once the disclosures improve once this clarity on the disclosures gets put it that way and the disclosures improve in line with the regulations a lot of these issues should get sorted um i still think it's you know an, it's an asset class which deserves a lot of attention and uh, is a very exciting asset class it is an asset class which is at a nascent stage in our country um the government itself has repeatedly mentioned that you know 
they are looking at various inwits to help uh, you know entities monetize their uh, you know assets so it is i think an asset class which is here to stay and grow we've seen that reits and inwits are a huge portion or a very uh, you know um, they are an asset class abroad which a lot of people have exposure to in the developed markets as well so i think uh, things will evolve as it has for other uh, investment products um, let's not forget that you know it's been hardly 5 uh, 6 years or 7 years since the first invit which was uh, i have been invit was launched in the country so things will evolve so i am quite confident of that um, these are short term hiccups and uh, uh, they'll be overcome awesome just last one question vishal how the uh, eels looking for e- reits or invits at this point in time oh, so the so the yields have actually you know uh, they're looking much better now given this change in provision as compared to when the initial uh, you know uh, budget announcement was made the proposal so you know currently for uh, reits we are looking at a post tax yield and yield is obviously the distribution say for the last uh, one year divided by the current market price that's what i'm looking at as a ballpark yeah. number so in case of reits it's you know the post tax number is still uh, you know a little above 6% and in case of invits this number is actually uh, close to about 6.8% post tax um you know satya given the other big change that has happened when the finance bill was passed which is a uh, taxation of debt mutual funds as short term capital gains from 1st of april and you know the withdrawal of the indexation benefit for debt mutual funds um you know makes this again an attractive asset class or you know uh, uh, an investment avenue that people could look at from a yield perspective um you know given that we are talking of 6% plus in case of reits and 6. Point, close to 6.75 6.8% post tax in case of invits right in terms of uh, um the yields and let's not forget that um there is also a potential of capital appreciation in the cost of the underlying units which would only add to the returns so overall it is something which is pretty exciting um and is an is certainly an alternative investment avenue given now that um you know all the different debt investment avenues have come at the same rate of taxation which is the marginal rate of tax so i think that only increases the appeal of this asset class um, going forward sure just to get a comparison i know debt mutual funds and uh, reits cannot be compared directly because uh, the risk uh, factors are slightly different uh, but Definitely. you know what is the kind of post tax return one would get if someone invests in debt mutual funds at this point in time versus reits and invest which is at 6 to 6.8 so in debt mutual funds if i have to um you know um assume and this is again i'm just taking a ballpark number because again in the case of debt mutual funds you from the uh, indicative ytm you have to deduct the total expense ratio which is your net ytm and then compute the rate of tax so even if i assume that um you know you have an indicative ytm of say 8% which is pretty high right uh, uh right, for yeah. debt funds um yeah and and i'm saying this is a net ytm so i'm saying assume a, a 8% net ytm which means you might be 820 840 850 also in terms of the gross ytm yeah um, right so at if if, it, if you're looking at an 8% from a debt mutual fund which is taxed at say 39% for someone who's in the highest tax slab you yeah, are still yeah. looking at a post tax return of 4.88% so that's sub 5 yeah right yeah. so so that's the difference between 
or the impact of the uh, you know tax change for a debt mutual fund obviously we are not saying that one should not look at debt mutual funds they have their no. definitely have their own advantages of you know giving you diversification benefits it's a pool of uh, debt papers so you know you get a you get a portfolio diversification liquidity is not an issue because you know whenever you want to redeem your units the uh, mutual fund house would honor that redemption and so on and so forth so there is definitely a place for debt mutual funds in investors portfolios even now it's just that on a relative basis the attractiveness of reits and mits as one of the components in a debt allocation has increased and one could consider this you know as one of the components of a debt portfolio um and i'm just comparing this scenario to first of feb when you know the uh, the return of capital was to be taxed at a marginal rate the indexation benefits still existed for debt mutual funds so if you look at first feb probably the feeling was you know reits and invits may find it difficult to find a place in an investor's debt portfolio because the post tax yield had dropped significantly in the provisions that have been actually passed there's some relaxation for reits and invits and on the other hand actually the indexation benefit has been removed for debt mutual funds so keeping that scenario in mind the attractiveness of reits and invits you know again increases uh, complexities apart uh you know which we hope will get sorted sorted out in due course but the relative attractiveness of reits and mits increases and when one is looking at creating a diversified debt portfolio they should i think they definitely merit an allocation along with debt mutual funds and other uh, you know fixed income instruments well put vishal just in one one to two months i think the tables are turned the attractiveness of one product has completely. actually <laughs> completely yeah. yeah yeah i think this also makes a point on uh, you know taxation is just one aspect that investors have to consider but not the only uh, aspect that they should consider right oh absolutely you know like i said debt mutual funds definitely merit an allocation given the diversification benefits liquidity benefits even when we talk of reits and invits satya um, you know let's understand that um, even there we would suggest that investors invest into uh, you know a combination of reits and invits rather than only into one particular reit or invit which is again bringing out the concept of portfolio diversification makes sense yeah yeah thanks shall thank you so much uh, this is a very very complex subject thank you so much for decoding it for us thank you so much satya my pleasure thanks that's all for now in this episode listeners if you have any queries or suggestions You can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Satya Sontanam. S A T Y A S O N T A N A M. Or you can also write to us at mintmoney@livemint.com. Bye bye. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.